Hello, everyone. My guest today is Jessica Holzbach. She's a female entrepreneur from Berlin, Germany, and co-founded the company Penta. Um, she was mentioned by magazines like Forbes uh, or the Forbes 30 under 30 list and the Capital Top 40 under 40 list. So she's a very successful founder. Uh, in this interview, we touch based on, on her personal story on a startup that she founded before Penta, uh, which failed. Um, and on her journey now and the beginnings of Penta, uh, the first funding rounds and where they stand now, where they want to go in the next years and also on the financial sector and how she sees uh, this whole industry. So it's a very interesting interview. I'm looking forward to your feedback and um, yeah, enjoy it. So Jessica, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. I'm very excited about uh, the conversation we're going to have. Yeah, definitely. So um, you work at Penta and, and Penta is in Germany, uh, especially Berlin, I would say a startup that everyone knows and people call it the N26 for businesses. Um, that's at least what I what I heard. Um, what what do you do at Penta? What does Penta do? And, and what's your journey? Um, yeah, uh, I think that comparison was very valid, especially in the beginning, because people already knew N26 and we were like, ah, we're the N26 for businesses. And most people immediately got it. Uh, so actually happy that you, you picked that one up. Um, I personally uh, co-founded Penta with uh, four other guys uh, four and a half years ago. Um, around that time, I mean, today you wouldn't even imagine, but back in the days, you were not able to open a bank account for a company online. So you really had to go to the branch, you had to make an appointment because not every branch allowed you to open it. It had to be a special branch for companies. Uh, and I remember back then in, in like with my first company, we actually even had to go to Frankfurt um, from my little town to, to open a business bank account. Um, we were like, hey, uh, there are now companies that allow you to open an account online in seven minutes. Uh, why don't we do something similar for companies? And uh, from this starting point, um, basically the journey evolved, right? It's not only opening a bank account now, but it's more we offer a solution where companies can manage all their finances online. And the, the bank account is more like the central point for it. Um, it's been now... Four and a half years. Um, interesting journey. I am um, acting as a chief customer officer, so responsible for all customer facing areas, uh, did for a long time the marketing, now sales and customer service. And I would say it's, it's always exciting, always something new. Yeah, no, that's, that's nice. And we're actually also using Penta. So I know how it is to be a customer. <laughs> um, uh, so when you so Penta is not your first company. You you did something before. What what was your what journey upfront? So did you go the normal route like in Germany high school like Abitur and then go to university or like how how did that yeah. work? Uh, yeah, I actually did a very like looking back very cliche very standard route. Uh, so I did school uh, high school. Then I went to university. Um, I always wanted to study business. Um, I don't know. Found it super interesting. I would say more the, the economic side of things. Um, my family is more on the the uh, medicine side and and healthcare. So I think I was the only one who was like, oh, I want to do something different. Uh, let's look into the business side. Um, went to study at a business school. Um, there afterwards, uh, well, during this business school, I found financial markets super interesting. Did a first internship in a bank. Was horrified, I have to say. I hated it. Uh, I hated it. Like, I, I, it was like the absolute cliche of, of cooking coffee and falling asleep in, in long meetings. Um, 
but uh, didn't really give up this uh, affection, I would say, to financial markets. Um, so always kept close, went to consulting, also very cliche, um, consulted banks and insurance companies on how they can set themselves up digitally uh, for future without branches. And that was even, I mean, this is like eight, nine years ago, right? So even within the three years that I was working as a consultant, nothing changed, like absolutely nothing. And even now, nine, 10 years, nothing changed. Um, so I gave that up again and um, did a master's again in finance and management in Portugal and Brazil, founded then the first company and failed miserably um, and then started Penta. Interesting. What kept you going after failing the first company? Because I can imagine people being like, yeah, I want to do this. Then they fail. And then they're like, well, that's not my type of thing. Maybe I should just go back to university or get a normal job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, I think that was a very difficult month after really deciding to, to, to stop it because um, we haven't even had spent all the money that we, we had. Um, so we could have like continued. It was more like, I would say like a moral thing in which I felt there was not the full buy-in from all founders. Um, that's why we stopped it. Um, and making this deliberate decision to, to stop and not kind of drag it on uh, until like forever uh, was very hard. And then I was really thinking about whether I should go to back to like a normal job. I, I remember I even had some offers again from consultants for like a very nice salary, just going back into this. But I remember that something horrified me about it, uh, about like, again, going back into working for somebody else and following like rules that I, I don't like that much. Um, so taking 30 days, like I swore to myself, I wouldn't sign anything for at least like a month, um, reflecting on what I liked. And I really appreciated the freedom of trying to set up and design a company yourself, right? And really like being responsible for every decision that you make um, for, the, for the better and the worse. And uh, I think that's why I kept on going. And I feel like you're always influenced very heavily by the experiences you did right before, right? So I really wanted everything I did terribly wrong in the first time, I wanted to do better in the second time. Got it. Interesting. So now Penta is, you guys have like a couple of hundred employees. It's a, it's a well-known company uh, in, in Germany and maybe also across the border. Uh, how, how were the beginnings? Um, I can't imagine it was not that nice and beautiful uh, as it might be now. Um, how was yeah. that? Uh, yeah, I mean, the beginnings were very humble. Um, it, it always looked already beautiful from the outside with a nice website and saying, oh, we're the next bank for SME. That's probably um, always the case. Exactly. Like it looks, I feel like people are always impressed by the by the shiny polish of, of things, right? But then yeah. if you go behind it, like I remember the first day I saw the office, I was shocked. Like it, it, it was so dirty and disgusting. Like you really have to like <laughs> uh, kind of be up for it. And I remember I was the only one always buying water um, and the others were drinking it out of the, out of the, um, the, the sink. And I was like, how can you, you like you'll die before we, we have done anything amazing in this company. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were like a small group. We moved in soon to a new office, which was actually much nicer. So was and, it bootstrapped uh, in the beginning? So did you four guys say, well, we're going to invest like, couple not I mean, thousand but yeah. yeah yeah exactly i mean in the beginning it was mainly uh everything we could do ourselves right like really trying out 
like everything we can to to understand the customers to understand the product ourselves um then going to um file what is good start a bootcamp in, in london and uh, get like a small angel round and from then uh, still trying to build a product, getting the contract with Solaris Bank, who's basically our uh, banking provider. Uh, and from then on, like obviously like the needs in terms of burn and money kept on rising. When you how, how was the founder team structured? So was it like you had, guys had one tech guy, one business guy, or how did it look? Yeah. Uh, yes, it was. Let me see. Uh, mainly business guys. So we had um, one CTO, one CEO, one guy was more responsible for, for growth, uh, a designer, and me was more responsible for everything kind of operational, setting up the process. But I think the roles, except for tech, obviously, um, and design, I think the other business roles were always like a bit um, shifting. Yeah. Yeah. So you started in Berlin, and then you guys went to London to the... To uh, Startup Bootcamp London, exactly. FinTech program, yeah. And then you got the first investment rounds and it really started. Exactly. And then you could could finally do a bit, a little bit more, right? Because you actually do need, um, or we needed especially uh, developers to build the product. Um, so you could hire like a couple of more people on that side, build the product, have the first prototype, get the first customers in uh, and try to obviously iterate and, and grow from that point onwards. Yeah. So, so what were the first customers like startups from Berlin, people you guys knew, like, hey, we're building this product, try it uh, out. Yeah. In interestingly enough, um, we, from the very beginning on, we had this shiny website, as I said, <laughs> and yeah. uh, there was a subscribe, uh, a possibility to subscribe and come to the wait list, right? So we were building already over the years that we were working on the product, we were building a wait list for people that would like to to become part of the, the alpha batch. And um, so which year did you start, to, like actually start the company? 2015? 2000, uh, end of 2016. Ah, okay. Registered, Got yeah. And then keep on growing the waitlist. And then obviously our idea was to just convert everybody who's on the waitlist as a, as a customer. Mm, but it turned out that I think 50% of the people on the waitlist were consultants uh, who were just <laughs> interested in, in the trends that were going on on the market. But the other 50% were actually super useful because these were people who were really like interested in new, new obviously offers and also aware that the first version we would offer would not be perfect. For example, we didn't have cards. Like you basically yeah. opened a bank account and you had no credit card with it. You know, there's basically nothing you could have done with it except for helping us and giving us feedback. And I think it took even two months after we were live that we offered the first cards for, for customers. Yeah, but we didn't know it. them. So it was not really family or friends because it's a bit more difficult with... Um, if you have a B2B product, right? Like for B2C, you can ask like your mom and your dad and your friends. Uh, yeah. But uh, for this, we had to ask people who actually have a company and then they were like, oh, but my company, do I really want to put the money on your account? Yeah. yeah. Got it. What was the hardest thing in the first year for you guys? What would you say? Mm. Was it the product? Was it like getting the awareness or, or raising awareness for what you do or like actually figuring out the, the system behind it? Um, I think one of the most difficult things for us was that it was very clear what we wanted to build. Um, it was also clear what the customers needed. So like I would say in terms of 
identifying kind of the product and product roadmap basically the first two years were set so that was not really the problem but it, i think it was at some point really convincing the world that we are the, the right one to execute on this idea and vision because we were all a bit of i would say underdogs in a sense very young team um I, i'm more one of the, the older ones but uh yeah some of my co-founders are still at the time they were 24 you know then they were like oh we want to build yeah. this bank and people were like uh, <laughs> i doubt it <laughs> um so really convincing i would say investors and also like at some point like a bigger part of customers i, I think that was more secondary but to really also give us this um this advancement of trust uh, to give us like the necessary money to grow faster um because yeah you just have some capital needs if you buy so build something bigger right yeah when was the point where where the first investors not like angel investors, but said like here are 10 million dollars 20 million dollars i don't know what what the funding rounds were in the beginning uh where you guys were okay like maybe this actually or, or now we're at a point like this actually works mm-hmm. it's an interesting question um i think we always knew that so like basically the first customers that joined us without us doing something were always proof that there is a real problem out there and uh, also yeah. when we went somewhere people were really saying like oh business banking is really bad and it sucks please build something amazing so this proof that we're doing that we're kind of like onto something and on the right track was like always there um but this feeling of oh now we've cracked it now everything is going to be smooth I'm not even sure if it's like ever been there because it, there's always like a new challenge. Um, but I would definitely say that the first um, pre-seed seed round of like, it was like around 2 million definitely helped us, you know, to give this outside proof, hire a bit more people, spend a bit more money on certain things. Um, I'd say that probably was like a milestone, but just always like, it, it's more like, steps i would say right like you have climbed one step and you have to go to the next one to the next one the next one so yeah always keep on uh, working uh, so it never gets easier i'd say yeah and you never find the final step there's always another one yeah exactly what were your what, what were your biggest learnings from the first two years like building building up the company mm-hmm. um Interestingly enough, somebody asked me this yesterday as well, and I was uh, really thinking long about the answer because I felt like I learned so much. I mean, I already learned from this very first startup that I only did for six months. I felt like I learned like life lessons. And now this is for yeah more than four and a half years. Uh, the, the lessons I've learned are crazy. But one thing I really like consistently see is never make compromises on hiring. Like I really feel the team that on the people that you're hiring are so essential. And um, sometimes we think that for a certain position, we find somebody either he's on a paper good or he's actually quite nice, but there's like something tiny that you feel like, Oh, it, it won't work out. And then a lot of times you just, grown so fast right so you just need the help and you need somebody extra on the team to to keep on doing it and every time that we made a compromise and said like oh let's just like give it a try and do it with the guy we'll be fine like it every time like bite our ass so um got it this not to make compromises on kind of the quality standards and the aspirations you have is for me essential and hiring is like the most important one and everyone will say that but most people will sooner or later make compromises there 
Yeah, no, I experienced that myself as a, as a founder. I can, can agree with that. One thing that would be interesting to know is from your consulting experience in the beginning, would you say that helped you to start or to work with the founder or at Penta and, and to build up the company? Uh, or would you say it's like a bad thing to work in a structured way, make nice slides all the time and stuff like this? Uh, if you would have asked me this four years ago, I would have put everyone who was working on consulting on the on the red list and would have said I would never hire them. Um, but only because I was myself so bad. <laughs> I was really um, <laughs> I, I, like coming right out of consultant to uh, consultancy to building a company. That was the, the reason the first startup failed because we we made nice slides, for example, for like a new website layout. And instead of just making the new website layout, you know, we spent hours on making slides or like we made yeah. so many strategy docs and mood docs and surveys and that, 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 instead of just like building a product, talking to the customers and like getting something out there. So I had to go from this very structured, very theoretical strategic into the complete opposite to now I think shift a little bit back because um, I mean, now we are a company with 140 employees. We have a lot of things to coordinate. It's important yeah. to have a strategy in place. So right now I think it's a state in which you do need a bit more of this structured consulting uh, skills again, but in the very early days, it was for me personally rather hindering. So I think it's, it's good to have seen both sides probably, but um, you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Oh, that's an interesting, interesting view. Okay, so you guys started end of 2016, then got the first first funding rounds, and now uh, you are, as you just said, 140 people based in Berlin, right? Berlin and Belgrade. Ah, interesting. Got it. And the main, or what's the business model behind, behind Penta? Mm, in terms of, I mean, the idea was always or like the, the mission, vision that's out there was always to help founders, right? In a sense that we take away the, the stress and the hassle and admin out of, of financial management, everything around accounting, bookkeeping, blah, blah, blah. So the founders or business owners could could really focus on, on building their company. And um, the business model basically goes around the account, who's which is more like the central point, right? It's basically our let's say hook in a sense, because somebody comes in, opens the bank account and then integrating several like services that you would also need from a use case perspective, because nobody only needs the account. You most of the times need it to do salary payments or to do expense management or to do your, your tax declaration, right? So we are slowly trying to put all the use cases that you have as a business owner or like a CFO in a bigger company into uh, our product. And um, in terms of uh, how, how do we make money with it? Obviously we have like a, a B2B SaaS subscription model. Like I think it's it's kind of the, the common thing at the moment, but yeah, we get yeah. money from subscription and uh, from interchange and then from every third party that we integrate into our product. Got it. Okay, got it. Interesting. And where would you say do you guys stand right now from uh, from being uh, actually I think now it's it's like the bank and and it's not like having all these other things um, that you just mentioned where, where do you guys stand right now and where do you want to stand in, in five years um, so in terms of that we like I said in the very beginning um, the product roadmap for us was actually pretty clear for the first two years because we had to build some of the features that are 
absolute common for each traditional bank. Something like direct debits, for example, like Germans love it, like everyone loves direct debits. Um, but there were no, there were no challenger banks or online banks that offered it. So we first had to really like build this um, and to be, we always say like on, on par or like in parity with traditional banks offerings. And we reached this end of last year. Um, so we offer like the full banking products, like loans, direct debits, all the several like payment options. And now it's really about adding these different use cases into it because we don't really see ourselves just as a, or we don't want to define ourselves as a bank from a banking perspective, but rather from, from a customer perspective who says, um, what are, for example, the tasks of a CFO? Um, and then we try to build a product uh, to help this, this position to be... So to have everything in one place, what exactly. in terms of financial things in a startup or in a company. Exactly. Financial admin, probably everything around around that topic, and um, I mean it needs to change a bit, right? If you're like a one-person uh, company versus like a 250-person company, and we're trying to offer something for for everyone along the way, um, and um, we build some of the products ourselves, others we integrate, um, other companies we offer the, the chance to integrate us. So it's a very, I would say, uh, integrative approach towards solving these customers' problems. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, what, what is, what would you say is your, as, as, as a, if I understood that right, you're the chief customer officer, right? What do you think? And maybe also uh, from the perspective of a founder, what do you think is your core skill? Mm -hmm. My personal core skill. Um, very interesting. Question. Um, I think, I mean, I think one of the, the most important things is really um, still hiring and the people that you have around you. So I feel like what I consistently did over the last four years was hiring people um, and identifying the ones that really fit to us. Um, and I mean, it's kind of the second thing that everyone says, and I feel like only few people do, um, hiring better people than yourself, hiring smarter people than yourself, um, because a lot of times managers or, or leaders have to fear that if they hire somebody smarter, they will replace them at some point. But um, I feel like a startup is growing like so fast, exponentially fast, right? So it's so hard to keep up with, with this pace. And as a, as a founder or leader, you even have to be faster than this curve, right? Because you are the one yeah. who puts the company behind you. So there's only one way to stay on top of that. And that's hiring better people because only they will basically challenge you, give you the right like context and making this transition from generalist to specialist in a certain area is basically the prerequisite for success in the future. So having this, I would say my, my special skill is like having this um, understanding of people, uh, probably like yeah. a level of empathy and um, trying to, to challenge them always to, to even do better. Now I need to ask a question is what do you look at when you, when you hire someone? Like, what are, do you look at the, <clears throat> I can think you, you are not the person who looks at closely at the CV and what they have done, but more about like the personal things and the ambitions they, they have, but what do you look at? Mm. I think it also changes depending um, or I had to learn it. It changes depending on the stage your company is and uh, the role you're hiring. Um, because in the beginning, you do need to hire generalists. You need to hire people. And I think the most important part there was, A, they were smart, and B, they were motivated. 
these were like the only two things that mattered like most in the world. And they were basically agile to jump into different topics, right? And um, if you had these two things, like a highly motivated person, they would like do whatever they, they needed to do and get it done, right? And I feel now, obviously this still has to be the case, like motivation and, and smartness in a sense. But now you do need sometimes people who've done something similar before, like not in a sense they have years of experience, but they have relevant experience. So they know, for example, marketing is always very highly specialized people that you need there, right? Or um, or sales, like you need somebody who's done that before. Um, so it, it changes a bit, um, but like I always try to understand how people are thinking and how people are also reacting to um, to questions that there's no right and wrong, right? Where you just have to have an opinion if you're able to express an opinion and articulate why you think in a certain way. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, in interesting to, to note it. If we look at the industry, where do you see um, the financial industry or the, the space that you're in in the next five years and then long-term in the next 30 years? Mm, um, I think... And one, I one more thing. Do you think banks will be able to, like the classic banks like Sparkasse or Volksbank in Germany, will be able to adapt to the 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 trend or the yeah the way the industry develops? Yeah, um, I mean the the direction is actually very obvious because we are still in a phase in which we basically digitize everything that's offline to online, right? Like it's at the moment such an obvious, I would say decade uh, and also in banking, you know, there, there's still so many things that you can't do online where you still need manual work. Um, and I think this is still basically the first step that is happening. And um, obviously like challenger banks are the ones or like new startups are the ones that start already digital. So it's a bit easier for them. On the other hand, they don't have the customer base. So for example, a uh, Sparkas or Volksbank, I mean, they have millions of customers and in that sense, they are our big competition. The future. Um, I do think that people have to go away from their self-understanding of a bank. Um, so it doesn't matter anymore how you define yourself as a bank but it's more you have to define yourself from the customer perspective and offer a solution that like makes their life super easy and you have to be super tailored and i think you have to be able and open to integrate with others so like it doesn't make any sense anymore to to be a bank and basically really build the, the borders of your house right and say this is what we do and uh, i don't care what you do outside so i think it will be much more api driven much more like network effects in the future and everything around who can kind of build the customer journey for a certain use case in the best way. And I think that's why it will not only be the classical banking things, but ev everything that basically touches, touches, touches it around it. Like I think Revolut had already like this a slogan of beyond banking, you know, like it will be more than, than this initial use case. Yeah. And if banks yeah. are able to make this transition, um, I think not in the way that we'll, think i think there will probably be a lot of names that stay right maybe there will always be something like a deutsche bank but i think it will not be the same composition either of people nor of structure than we have it today yeah got it yeah interesting so okay yeah um 
what do you think let's go into into marketing a little bit um do you think or what do you think uh about personal branding or the way that the personal brand of the founder influences the success of the company or contributes to to success of the company do you think that's mm -hmm. that's true or do you think there is some impact yeah would love to hear your opinion on that i think that's i heard that's more uh, your expertise um i do think that basically personal branding comes somehow from the word also personality right and like at least what i observe i don't know if it's the right thing to say our company is more successful or less successful because of of personal branding but what i realized now over the years and also now that we're looking into the topic of culture and hiring ahead of people and culture that basically the company culture in the beginning is so heavily in, uh, influenced by the personality of the founders so you have um, a leadership team which has like certain personality traits and the combination of this team and how they kind of live that and agree on, on a set of values completely triggers down into the whole organization. So your, your company culture in the first years is a reflection of your best and of your worst traits as a founding team. And I think that's something you, you really see the personality kind of spread. Um, so I do think whether we're able to kind of bring this brand to the outside world or whether we, we keep it for ourselves, I do think that this personality effect has a huge influence on the company. But uh, the relation between basically the, the branding and the, the company's success, I honestly don't know. That's probably something you'd need to answer from a more, by looking into several examples, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, no, no, definitely. But I um, I agree to the points, uh, points that, that you just mentioned. Um, Do you have any principles that you strictly apply to the areas that you are now in charge of uh, at Penta? Or say like, or if you would start another company in, in five years, in 10 years, in two years, uh, that you would take or that you implement yourself and say, yeah, well, that's how we're going to do it. Or that are core principles of myself. Yeah. Um, I always preached <laughs> the, the thing is it's quite old school but it's like leading by example um so really never expect from your team what you're not willing like to do yourself um to kind of be like a good um role model to kind of live the values that you appreciate you know to basically praise what's good and kind of uh, punish what, what's bad so but really like showing this integrity of of doing this yourself or doing the extra work instead of just requesting it from from your team um so that's I would say one of the leadership principles that we and also like my my leads um, follow, uh, and I, I do it always like the same. Um, I'm a huge fan in in the whole topic around um, flat hierarchies in the sense of how how Netflix also structured their, their company to give a lot of freedom, um, but also ask for like a lot of. Have you read the book? Uh, no rules, rules from I, I did not read that one yet uh, I read the one uh, that will never work from the original founder of, of Netflix and he also touches upon the the culture part and then I read a bit about Patty McCord who's also uh, wrote a book um, what was it Power, powerful I, I don't know exactly uh, the title anymore um, but like I, I'm I'm a huge fan of hiring people who think for themselves, who think in, in first principles, who are not afraid to kind of give their opinion. Um, and I love to give them responsibility. For example, I never micromanaged in my whole life. I 
no problem with that one because i think the more freedom you give somebody the more they're able to grow and take over responsibility and this will result in in better results in the end yeah i mean they can expand their creativity and do it their own way by following like certain principles got it okay jessica let's wrap up with a fantastic four question number one is there a ceo that you're following or studying right now um Not a classical CEO and nobody I know personally, but uh, it's it's Shanath from Social Capital. He's a, he's an investor from from the US. Uh, I was because of him started to listen to podcasts. Uh, loved his approach of how you have to understand yourself to basically be successful in life afterwards, and also the way how he he's a big fan of this um, time allocation of money. So how do you allocate resources uh, because it's in the end limited, right? And, and a lot of amazing principles, very smart guy. Um, so that's something I, I'm definitely looking up to. Got it. Do you have any routines that you strictly follow on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, I wish. Uh, the only routine I have is... <laughs> in the evening to think about how I want to live my next day. Um, but I've never been, a good, I, for example, never wake up at the same time and never go to bed at the same time. I feel like every day I kind of plan new. So kind of the anti-routine person. However, I do. It's a routine to not have a routine. <laughs> routine to not have a routine, exactly. Um, but um, I, I guess there are some routines that are good, like for example, meditate regularly, right, and read regularly, and and this kind of stuff. Um, but um, I'm trying to do it at least consciously. Got it. Interesting. What's your favorite social media platform for business, and what do you use it for? Um, at the moment, I'd say LinkedIn. Um, also, wouldn't know which other one I should name for that. Um, Yeah, I probably use it for like kind of seeing what other people are doing. And there are maybe some amazing uh, Slack communities by now with like, for example, a founder group where you can really get like uh, uh, business related, related insights. Um, so maybe these two LinkedIn and some of the founder groups I, I joined on Slack. Okay, last question, Jessica. What do you wish you knew when you were 20 years old? Mm. I think I somehow knew it, uh, but not explicitly, but like I always had the feeling that whatever happens, uh, I somehow follow my feet. Um, so kind of trust the progress, trust the way. So just to, and I have to remind myself of that even nowadays, you know, if you have a big crisis, or if you don't know what to do, or back then when I didn't know if I should start a new company, um, kind of to trust the progress and that you just like never you know, never not make a decision out of fear. So that's something. Got it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks a lot.